Hello everybody, Pastor Christopher Alam here at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household, you're doing well and you're blessed and that you're strong in faith and standing strong. Praise God. You know, these days, uh, a lot of people, you know, I, I've heard reports of uh, how many people have had problems. You know, alcoholism has gone up and people are having problems in their marriages and problems with their children, with their families and mental issues. People are suicidal. And the reason is because they feel they're locked in at home. And uh, you know, this is not a good thing because listen, what happens in times of crisis is that the real things in a person's life actually come to the surface. Because you know, when we are busy with our everyday lives, we have businesses, we have jobs and running back and forth. Then we come home, we are home for a couple of hours with our families, eat dinner, watch TV, then we go to bed and wake up the next morning off to work again. So we spend really very little time with our family and most of our time is spent with the things that we do. And then on weekends we go hunting and fishing and different things. And what happens is that our lives get full of different things and those things keep us busy uh, and, and, and we don't take time to deal with the real issues that are in the heart. But what happens when you have a lockdown situation like this, people are not going to work, people are at home and they're not going out that much and they, uh, they spend all their time with their family, uh, you know, with their wives, their kids and suddenly all that pent up frustration and anger and the real issues in life comes up. All that anger, they have managed to kind of camouflage and mask and hide under the guise of activity, you know, day-to-day -day activity. All those things come up and then, and then people in frustration, they begin to drink, they begin to, uh, they, some people get violent towards their, and abusive towards their spouses and, and all that. And it shouldn't be that way, beloved, because, uh, but the, here's the thing, if it is that way, this is what we have to do. This is a wonderful time for us to take hold of situations. First of all, you've got to look at your life and, and, and look at yourself and be honest with yourself and say, what have I become? What am I really like? And this is not good because anything in my life that doesn't line up with the character of the person of Christ has to go. So what you do is you begin to spend time in the Word of God spend time meditating and speaking the word of God and spend time in prayer and then you get help get, get help from people who can talk to you who can counsel you talk to your pastor and uh, or whoever is out there for you and, and get their help and then take their advice don't be uh, you know don't be too proud to acknowledge your faults and to take, take advice. A lot of people, they never see change in, their, change in their condition because they're too proud to acknowledge that they have a problem and, and, and they wear a mask that everything is okay when it's actually very terrible at home. So uh, talk to your pastors and uh, talk to, uh, you know, um, uh, people like counselors who are there to help you and get help. So read your Bible, pray and get help and then work on your on yourself, work on your personality, curb your anger, try to control your anger and, and make a decision. Lord, when this thing is over, I will come out a better man. I will come out a better husband, a better father, a better uh, friend and a better employer or whatever it is. And when you make those decisions in your life, beloved, you will see a change in your life that will last you 
your whole life. You'll see a lifelong change. So it's very important that you, you, you know, you, you, you get that help for your own self because God loves you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And you can never see the fulfillment of God's purposes for your life as long as you walk around with those issues in your heart. Okay, so what you need is not more activity. Some, so a lot of people are saying, oh, I wish the president would open the country again. We can go back to work. Business will be on. Why? Why? Well, because they're frustrated. They don't know how to deal with their problems. Listen, if your business is opened up, if the president and the governors open up the country, you're back, back at work, back in business, that will not solve your problem. It's like putting a plaster on a wound. What you need is somebody to deal with the wound itself. And take this time as an opportunity to deal with the things in your life. Well, and if there's any way I can help you, feel free to send me a message. Drop me a line, write to me. I will talk to you. I will take time to talk to you and I will pray with you and see what I can do. But your pastor can do much, much more than I can do because he knows you personally and sees you around more than I do. But if there's anything I can do, I'm available for you. Well, God loves you. Amen. Praise God. Well, we are talking about the subject of the blood covenant and we are talking about Yahweh, Yahweh Jireh, uh, the Lord, our provider. And that's the subject we are in. And so now we were talking about Joseph. That's the last thing we spoke about. And in Genesis 41 verses 38 to 43, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this is a man in whom the spirit of God is? So the Pharaoh, uh, the Pharaoh, Pharaoh was very impressed that he saw the spirit of God in Joseph's life. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, for as much as God has showed you all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. That was another thing that the Holy Spirit gave to Joseph. He gave Joseph wisdom. The Holy Spirit makes us wise. He gives us wisdom. Thou shalt be over my house and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. In other words, uh, the Pharaoh, Pharaoh made Joseph number two man in Egypt. He said, you shall rule all over Egypt except me. <laughs> except me who will be in, on the throne. You shall rule the whole of Egypt. So you can imagine how, how God provided for Joseph. And Joseph came out of a dungeon and became the number one, uh, number two man after Pharaoh. And verse 41 says, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh made Joseph the ruler over all of Egypt on his behalf to rule as his representative. Then he says, verse 42, And Pharaoh took off his <coughs> ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand. A, a ring was the symbol of authority. So when the king would sign a letter, he would put a seal on it. This, the ring had a signet on it. He would put the seal on it. And so Pharaoh took off his ring and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of, in, or clothes of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. So Joseph, he rode in the second chariot after Pharaoh. And people bowed to him and, and Pharaoh made him the ruler of all Egypt. Now, so that was the story of Joseph. Now, I want to finish with this. When we talk about Yahweh Raphael, the Lord, our provider. Now, that doesn't mean that God just gives us enough to get by. But more than enough, he gives us more than what we need to fulfill the purposes of God. And I want to close with this. You know, the temple 
first the tabernacle and the temple, they were very costly to build because they were built according to the design that God had given. Uh, God spoke to Moses how to build the tabernacle and God spoke to Solomon how to build the temple. And you know, when God ordered the tabernacle and the temple, he didn't say, well, the Israelites are my people, you know, they are poor or they don't have enough or they just have so much. Let's, let's order a simple tent and, and a simple building as a tabernacle, uh, you know, because I know how much the people are, ca are capable of. So let's build a cheap uh, tabernacle. And then when, when it came to build the temple, let's build a cheap temple because, you know, it's, it's the worship that counts. It's not the trappings of the temple. But no, God gave Solomon instructions on how to build the temple. It was you know, gold and jewels and precious stones and silver and wood of all different kinds, expensive wood that was important and it cost a lot of money to build. And so, and you know, let me tell you, you know how much that temple would cost today if it was built today? If Solomon was to build his temple in our day, I, I, I checked this out. It would cost around $140 billion to build. Let me say that again. It would cost $140 billion to build. Not million. $140 billion to build if the temple was built today. That's how expensive it was. And God knew it. And God ordered the most expensive building, you know, as the temple. And he told Solomon that you build it. So what happened? The Bible tells us, I'm not going to go through details, but this is what happened. If you look at the scriptures, Solomon gave with all his heart. God had blessed Solomon with wealth. And there was a purpose with that wealth. Solomon used that wealth to build the temple of God. Solomon gave the leaders the elders of Israel gave, then the people gave. So first Solomon, you know, the leader should always set an example in giving. Solomon gave with all his heart, then the leaders gave, then the people gave, and then the foreign kings, kings of other countries saw what was happening and they gave. In fact, there was so much of money coming in that Solomon had to say, no, 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 stop. We have enough. We have enough that uh, to build the temple. So the temple of Solomon to build today would cost about $140 billion. And you know why this could be? Because God had prospered his people. God had blessed his people because he's Yahweh Jireh. I'm the Lord, your provider. Now, I want to finish this part by saying this. God will prosper his people if they put the purposes of God first in their lives. And they say, whatever God puts in my hand, I'm going to use for his glory. That's the kind of people God prospers. Not the kind of person who says, well, I've got these millions of dollars. So now I can build me a big house. I can go to uh, one expensive holidays. I can do this. I can do that. Or I have financial security. It's not about, you see, if your security is in your bank account, then your security is in the wrong place. It's not, it's not about, financial, uh, um, about financial security and it's not about 
you and me being able to live a certain lifestyle or to be able to afford to live at a certain level. It's not about that. It is about the purposes of God. We must understand this. And that, that, that's the difference between stewardship and ownership. Ownership says this is mine. Stewardship says this is God's and it's just in my hand to be a caretaker, to steward it, but it's all God's and it's going to be used for his purposes. And that's the difference between Solomon and a lot of people today. So anyway, but God delights to prosper those who will use whatever he puts in their hands to further his cause. Hallelujah. Anyway, so the next thing we're going to is the next name of God, the next Yahweh name, the covenant name of God is Yahweh Rapha. Yahweh Rapha is I am the Lord, your healer, or I am the Lord. Well, King James says, I'm the Lord that healeth thee. And um, in Swedish, it says, Yoger Herendin Lekare, which means, I am the Lord, your physician. That's what it means. I'm the Lord, your healer. I'm the Lord, your physician. So can you imagine what a wonderful covenant name God gave? God introduced himself with to the people of Israel. I am the Lord, your healer. That means that God was their healer from every sickness, every disease, every infirmity. God was their healer. Hallelujah. So Exodus 15, 26 says, this is what it says. And this is, um, says, and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken or listen to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ears to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord that healeth thee or I am the Lord your physician. So again, as I said, <coughs> this is God's covenant name, Yahweh Rapha, but I am the Lord that healeth thee. That la last phrase, for I am the Lord that healeth thee, it's actually Yahweh Rapha. I am Yahweh Rapha. That means I am the Lord your healer. I'm the Lord, your physician. I'm the Lord that heals you. But again, we see, as I said to you yesterday, that uh, God's covenant is conditional upon faith. It, it's not by default that just because, uh, you know, I can't say, well, I'm a Christian and Jesus died for me. And so I believe in Jesus. So I'm under God's covenant. So prosperity belongs to me. Healing belongs to me. And then I neglect the commandments of God, neglect the word of God and do the things that I want to do. And then because I'm under covenant, God is under obligation to bless me or prosper me. Doesn't work that way. Or if some Israelite is some Jewish guy would say, well, I'm a Jew and I'm a son of Abraham. God promised all this to Abraham. So, you know, I mean, look, I, I will do my thing and God has to bless me because I'm one of his people. It doesn't work that way because the condition is, it says in this verse, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord, your God, and you will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his laws. That's what he said to the people of Israel, that if you will do these things, if you will listen to the voice of God and keep his words, then he says, I will not allow these diseases to come upon you that I put upon the Egyptians. And because I am the Lord, your physician. What a wonderful healing covenant that Abraham and of course his children, the people of Israel had with God. God was their healer, a healing covenant. I mean, that's the best health insurance. <laughs> you know, 
That's not Obamacare. That's Jesus care. That's what I call it. I mean, that's the best, best healing insurance anyone can ever have. So now we see in the scripture that uh, diseases are a part of the curse and health and healing is a blessing. Yesterday we talked about, uh, you know, Deuteronomy 28 and where that chapter talks about the blessings and the curses. And I talked about how poverty is a curse, but God promises blessing and prosperity uh, if we obey God. And we see in the same chapter, Deuteronomy 28, that diseases are a part of the curse and health is a blessing. So let's look at, uh, you know, it can be a little bit when, when you read the list of diseases, I mean, it can, get, it can get a bit depressing, but I'm going to read it to you. It's the Bible. Deuteronomy 28, verses 15, and then verses 21, 22, verses 27, 28, verse 35, 58 to 61. But it shall come to pass that you will not listen to the voice of the Lord your God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command, this, command thee this day, that all these curses, curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he have consumed thee of the land whither thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation, with an extreme burning and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. That means these diseases will chase you until you die. The Lord shall smite thee with the botch of Egypt and with the emeralds my goodness, emeralds means hemorrhoids, you know. And with the scab and with the itch, wherefore thou can cannot be healed. The Lord shall smite thee with madness, that's insanity, and blindness and astonishment, astonishment of heart. The Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs and with a sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. If you will not observe to do all the word, words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God, then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful and the plagues of thy seed, even great plagues and of long continuance and sore sicknesses of long continuance. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which you were afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of the law. Then <coughs> will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. So, diseases are a curse. And this he's speaking to the people of Israel. So, just because they were Israelites and God had a covenant didn't automatically mean that they had a healing covenant. In fact, the Lord said, if you disobey the word of God, if you don't listen to the word of God and do your own thing, then he makes a list of diseases, terrible diseases that would come upon them. So, you know, these things are warnings for us, warnings for people. And anyway, now some people say, yeah, but we are under grace. We are not under the law. Yes, we are under grace and we are not under the law. But grace does not mean, a, 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 how do you say, grace does not mean a neglect of godliness, a neglect of the word of God, a neglect of obedience. That is not grace. That is lasciviousness. That's, that's, uh, there's a uh, antinomianism. Antinomianism uh, means lawlessness. Being free from the law does not mean lawlessness. Lawlessness means there's nothing uh, that curbs us or hinders us. We can precisely give vent to our flesh and whatever the flesh 
feels we can do since our sins have already been taken away. We are already forgiven through Jesus. I can do whatever I want and God is under obligation to bless me because of the new covenant. That is not true. That is heresy. That is foolishness if people believe that. The truth is that we are in a covenant with God, but that covenant is activated in our lives through faith and through obedience and godliness and hearing the word of God. Yes, we are no longer under the law. That's true. We are no longer under the law of Moses, but we still are under obedience to God and obedience to his word and to listen to God, to seek his face in prayer and, and to desire to walk in faith and live holy and pure before him and to live in repentance. I mean, all these things have not been taken away just because we are not under the law. So we have to remember that. Now, anyway, let's talk about Abraham. God in his covenant was a healer. Yahweh Rapha. God had a covenant. It was a healing covenant. Malachi 3.6 says, for I am the Lord and I change not. God doesn't change. That means he still has a healing covenant on this earth today to all those. And it works for all those who walk in faith. Deuteronomy 7. Okay, so it says here. So we read about the curses. Now let's read about the blessings. Deuteronomy 7, 12 to 15. Then it shall come to pass because you listen to these judgments that may listen to the word of God and keep them and do them that the Lord your God will keep you with the covenant and the mercy which he swear to your fathers. That means that God will keep you in the covenant and he will show you the mercy that he swore to your fathers and he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your grain and your new wine and your oil, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flock in the land of which he swore to your fathers to give you. You shall be blessed over all peoples. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away. Listen to this promise. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. So, here God has a promise. He says he will remove our sickness and our diseases from us. Amen. And this was his promise to the people of Israel. So he says, if you disobey the word, all these diseases will come upon you. But if you stay in the word, then you are under covenant blessings and these diseases will not strike you. Exodus 23, 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water and will take sickness away from the midst of you. Hallelujah. I quote the scripture very often. So you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. So God says that I'm going to bless your food and your water, your bread and your water, whatever you eat and drink will be blessed and I will remove disease from the midst of you. And in Psalm 103 verses 1 to 3, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Hallelujah. This is the psalmist saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, and everything that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits because he forgives you all your sins and he heals 
all your diseases. Hallelujah. You know, this word is so powerful. I mean, I've told you the story several times when teaching other subjects, but I will tell you the story now. Argentina, 1986. And I remember I was preaching and that night, I mean, there were tens of thousands of people on the field and I got up that night to preach and open my Bible to Psalm 103 and I began to read these verses. And I began to read, Bless the Lord, O my soul. You know, when you read the scripture before you preach, I was just reading. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. The moment I read that, suddenly there was one section of the crowd that began to scream. And I stopped. I said, what happened? What happened? Suddenly, uh, someone held up a wheelchair up in the air and this woman came walking. Her backbone had been broken 16 years prior to that. It had been severed and she couldn't stand or walk or move and she was in that wheelchair and God had touched and healed her and healed her spine and she got up and began to walk and that is the power of this word. Amen. That you know, some people discuss, well, this is not for today because, you know, you've got cessationists who say, well, well, yeah, it was for those days. God doesn't heal the sick anymore. Hey, not only is this word for today, but when you read this word, people are actually healed. And I've seen this many, many times when I've read this and other scriptures, just reading, just speaking the scripture, people have been healed in crowds all over the world. Because the word of God is powerful. Nobody ever has the right to say this is not for today. It is for today because this is the word of God. Amen. Amen. Nobody's pay grade is high enough that he gets to tell you and me what word is valid for today. What word is not valid for today. It is all for today. Praise God. Numbers 21 verses 4 to 8. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And then the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no food and no water. So our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents for us, from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he shall live. live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if the serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Amen. Let us stop here and I'm going to come back to this scripture and uh, tomorrow and we'll, we'll continue talking about Yahweh Rapha and I'm the Lord that healeth thee. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray for my brothers and sisters. <coughs> Thank you, Father, for your goodness and mercy to us. Thank you, Lord, for the healing covenant that you had with Abraham through the, for, with the people of Israel. Thank you that you are still a healer. You are the same yesterday, today and forever. And we honor you, we bless your name, we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it. And I'll be seeing you again tomorrow. God bless you.